as someone who spent too much time in front of the television, really wanting to be part of what was going on, what I loved about the film was that Ferris Bueller talked to, talked to me. He oh. broke the fourth wall, right? Yeah, and he was right. just like, you know, life moves by pretty fast. You know, if you don't stop and look around once in a while, you might miss it. I was like, whoa, he's, he's talking to me, man. Matthew Broderick is talking to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> Hey, that's it. Look at it. Look at it. We're rolling. <laughs> we are rolling with Genexican. The podcast. That's right. And yeah. today we're joined by a special guest. Who's that with you? That's Ferris Bueller. 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 Anyone? Anyone? Bueller. Something OO, something OO. Economics. <laughs> Voodoo. <laughs> economics <laughs> yes that movie is imprinted in my brain it's become part of my dna yeah you were like dude let's talk about ferris bueller yes yes yeah. what kind of gen x person are you if you didn't see this movie yeah no it's true it's uh, it, it remains, um, whether you love it or you really love it, or you absolutely completely love it, <laughs> uh, it's there. It's there. And, and, you know, Matthew Broderick and his like meaty heyday of, of notoriety and fame. What, what were the big, what were the big imprints uh, on this film to you? Yeah. Well, I would say, I think that the the relationship or the not the relationship, but the 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 game that they were playing with the principal the whole time, how they were able to keep up this ruse for so long. Mm -hmm. um, I think I don't know that that to me was just so brilliant how they could just outsmart this principal who hated them. Um, and I think more than Ferris, I really, really related to Cameron. Uh, and actually today I feel like I'm, I have been dying all week from this nasty chest cold. So I may cough up a lung. Didn't, oh, Ferris Bueller made up the little composition on his piano. That's how he uh -huh. got money donated because he was like, he recorded this thing on his keyboard with like, it sounded like he was coughing uh -huh. up a lung. Uh -huh. I feel like I'm popping up along, but there's Cameron. And <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Right. And he plays it for that girl who's in the at school on the payphone. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, Ferris, how's your bot? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, I think he's dying, and they start collecting money. <laughs> Hold on a second. Speaking of hold on a second, do we have our, our anti-ADHD countermeasures going? No. <laughs> I like how it's a thing where like a minute in, two minutes in, three minutes in, I'm like, hey, do we start that? Or with a shorter format. Um, yeah, for me too. Like, I, I think the first 
I want to say the first time I saw Ferris Bueller, I was staying home sick from school. So I had a day off when mm-hmm. watching it. And um, it was brilliant. And as someone who spent too much time in front of the television, really wanting to be part of what was going on, what I loved about the film was that Ferris Bueller talked to, talked to me. He oh. broke the fourth wall, right? And he was just like, you know, life moves by pretty fast. You know, if you don't stop and look around once in a while, you might miss it. I was like, whoa, he's, he's talking to me. Matthew Broderick is talking to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, yeah. And that and the fact that he, he you know, as a, as, a, as a cool teenager, he made um, shampoo mohawks in the shower back 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 when i could do such a thing i certainly did right wasn't he singing dunk a shame yeah yeah <laughs> yeah setting that up for the call back later right yeah 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 there's just it, it's almost hard to pick a moment because it's like that whole movie is like an enigma itself like um i don't know it, it encapsulated so much yeah that freedom that freedom that's I think we all experienced to some extent, but they just took it so much further. Yeah. Now, I think uh, it's funny because, and I agree, like when you, when I like, it's been a while since I've rewatched it, but I remember the last time I'm like, you know, Cameron's right. (laughs) Cameron's right on all of this, you know? And and it's almost like, you know, the, 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 the Ferris Bueller sort of like nothing can go wrong. Everything goes his way. Like he's so cool. He's a righteous dude. You know, everybody loves him. Uh, the motorheads, the Zune dweebies, uh, the jocks, the sluts, whoever, like uh, everybody loves him. And, but then there's, you know, who, n- none of us were him. I mean, I don't think so. I, I certainly wasn't, you know, I was more like, the Cameron, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think I was, yeah, definitely a Cameron. Um, Cause he's sort of trapped by his like own. Yeah. Like all these rules, like his, in Cameron's case, like he has this, he lives in this like wealthy house. It's like a museum. He can't touch anything. And I mean, I didn't grow up in a house like that because my parents weren't wealthy, but I think growing up with that sense of confinement in a Mexican household, right? Certain things like, yeah, you're like you're not going to break the rules, um, even. But then you like self-impose those rules, and I think that's what Ferris taught Cameron. He's like, you can break out of that. So Cameron, I think, does experience. I think towards the end, he um, he is he's liberated from his mental prison. <laughs> yeah, you're not dying. You just can't think of anything good to do. Yeah, because it, it, it that that builds, right? Who who really grows in this in, in Ferris? Like what does Ferris learn? Does he learn anything? Does I mean what? He just learns that he can just kind of get away with his shenanigans. Right. Like what like I'm I'm honestly thinking, and, and maybe I need to go back and rewatch the film, but what is it? What what is it that he has at the end that he that he you know that he didn't have at the beginning? You know, maybe it's this this sense of like Maybe he knows, maybe he knows how impermanent this moment is, right? 
Mm-hmm. Because what would the sequel to Ferris Bueller's Day Off have been? Because I know people used to talk about it, and, and it even like read in in, in uh, like an interview or something. Matthew Broderick talked about it and him being like a middle aged stockbroker or some junk in in like Chicago, and like kind of kind of overtaken by the rat race, and he's got like a teenage kid who like ends up like <laughs> you know his his child ends up helping him take another day off or something. <laughs> and it's just like, well, you know, that's great, but that's not what you, that's like, that's not what we want Ferris to be in our mind, right? We always want him to be, because I always wanted to be the cool character who said the right thing at the right time. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I hadn't thought about, yeah, Ferris, I mean, his character. It's almost like he is, he's not quite a character. He's more of this like a force but yeah Cameron really is a central character yeah he grows he he makes the stand right mm-hmm. you know he, he makes the choice he does and then he takes it too far you can never go too far <laughs> <laughs> right yeah you can never go too far yeah um yeah and at the end uh I'm trying to remember they're by the pool but Cameron's like mm-hmm. he is spaced out because he goes yeah. into catatonic state. Yeah. Yeah. I think is it right after like they send the car? They're trying to rewind the mileage on the car. Which is like the dumbest thing. Uh yes. I, I don't remember if that's exactly when, if it's if it's there or if it's after that. I right. guess yeah. <laughs> we should rewatch it. She just rewatch it. She just rewatch it. She just rewatch it. Um yeah, I, I, um, I, I've, um, I don't remember if I've shown this to my kid. I think I've tried a number of times and she just like wasn't into it, didn't have the patience because maybe it's too of its time as well. You know, right. nos- nostalgia for, for Gen X, for anybody, right? But nostalgia hits hard. And I feel like me in particular, as a particular, I'm going to say particular more times. Um, but during the pandemic, it's just like, you know what? I want a CD player. I want to hold the disc. And I have vinyl, but it's just like, you know what? I re- you know, CDs were the thing. And I want a little, I want a little disc man and I want to plug it in and have to worry about skip protection and, and, yeah. and listen to my thing. And, you know, when you watch Ferris Bueller, it automatically takes you back to right. kind of what, what things were and, and being, having to watch your show in the living room when it came on, or if you had the convenience of like VHS and you like rented it or you owned it even, or you, or you recorded it off of HBO, right? You had the tapes, the the long play with the lower quality. And you, you would have like, you would have like Ferris Bueller's day off. uh, Maybe a, a, I don't know the thing, and then like uh, uh, Wimbledon, like <laughs> part of like that your brother, your older brother wanted to record like something that in the afternoon. Over, yeah. you're like, yeah. oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think yeah, that nostalgia um, because there's certain things like the whole prank call when they're playing mm-hmm. around with the different landlines. Um, it wouldn't work now because the way we have cell phones and they can easily be traced back and there's like IDs associated with our cell phones. 
when Ferris is on one line um, and he's calling, he's calling in to get his homework to the principal, I'm trying to remember, but then Cameron mm-hmm. is being Ferris is, no, he's, is he, is he calling in for, is he pretending to be Cameron's dad or Ferris's dad? No, it's Cameron. He's, they're, they're, well, they're, uh, they're calling in to be um, Sloan's dad, right? Oh, Sloan's dad, right? That's right. Oh, so, so, yeah, because uh, Cameron calls in and, he, and this is Mr. Peterson. Yes, this is Mr. Peterson, Sloan Peterson's father. <laughs> uh, and, and Rooney thinks, oh, it's Ferris Bueller. And then Ferris calls on the other phone, on the other line, asking for his homework. <laughs> Right. I should say you do. Mind your P's and Q's. Yeah. 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 And I, I did rewatch that movie fairly recently within the last five years. And I have to say, I, I felt I actually started to empathize with uh, Mr. Rooney. Right. A bit because I now I'm that old person, like trying to maintain order. <laughs> now, now, now you see, now you're part of the administration. Now you're the man having to deal with the antics of someone who just thinks it's all about them. Right. <laughs> right. And yeah, Mr. Rooney in the end, um, is this that, that scene where he walks into the bus, <laughs> his pants are all torn up. He's bloody because he's been attacked by the dog. Uh-huh. He's full of mud. He's missing a shoe. And um, he just walks in and all these like teenagers, all the dweebies, the dorks, mm-hmm. motorheads, mm-hmm. all staring mm-hmm. at him. Yeah, yeah. They know because they know like Mr. Rooney is like against their hero. And he finds that one spot next to that girl, that nerdy girl who offers him some gummy bears. Gummy they are bear. nice and warm and squishy. I forget how she says it because they've been yeah. for a long time. Yeah. They're nice and warm because they've been in my pocket. I believe that was Joan Cusack. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I believe that was Joan Cusack because that was the whole like Chicago, that the whole thing. You know, it's this tour of Chicago, and it, it certainly made me want to go to Chicago and be like, oh, I want to go to Chicago and um, jump a vintage Ferrari over a huge hill slash hump, right? Right, and okay, now that you know we're we're living in the era that we are now. The only Latino and black person represented yeah. in that movie have to be the guys that are like kind of shady. Right. In the parking garage. Right. Like right. That are out for a ride. Yeah. No. I mean, I think that's, that's a huge point, right? <clears throat> uh, I was a big Broderick fan back in the day. <laughs> Yeah. uh for war games uh and then i think he was in some movie called max duke and returns later biloxi blues right right and, and these were played a, uh uh was it um he he played a a scientist richard Feynman, a mathematician mm-hmm. uh he plays a i forget the name of that movie but he plays as yeah richard Feynman is another character he played very different from Ferris. He's not Ferris there, but but to your point, yeah, there's there's no representation. I'm struggling to because, you know, and, and what are we talking about? We're talking about a Chicago, Illinois suburb, um, you know, which is still the Midwest. Um, what what was the representation? 
if any, slash segregation, right? right. Uh, we're going deep. We took we took a left turn on first. We like I hear our, our I hear our thingy going off, but I I think uh, it, you know, and, and when you brought it up, I'm like, oh man, there's a lot to to delve into with this, um, but. I think the gist that I'm taking away is that anything that we love in our youth that we look back on is completely different now. And now that we're old, <laughs> you're like, you know, and I think that the, the actor who played Mr. Rooney was arrested for like heinous crimes, like oh, no idea. De deplorable stuff. Okay. Um, but as far as like the administration and, and the character and, and the parents, like you're like, yeah, well, yeah, he's, he's not that cool, you know. And and looking back, you're like, I was Cameron. You always thought you were Ferris, but you're like, that's Cameron. I was totally Cameron. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, if y'all are are watching or listening, let us know. Were you Ferris? Were you Cameron? Were you, you Sloan? Sloan. Yeah, Sloan Peterson. Were you were you Ferris's sister? Oh yeah. Right, You're Ferris's sister. Apparently, I you know so I read the Ferris Bueller's Day Off novelization ah. when I was a kid because I think it was at the Scholastic Book Fair <laughs> or some jazz, and I was like, oh, I gotta have this. There was like a younger brother in in the in the book. Oh, oh, that's and, and, and I think there was a younger brother in the script, and they and they eighties like a uh, like a much younger brother. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that would have played out so differently. I'm gonna have to like find that and and, and do a book report on a follow up. <laughs> a book report, a book report, and then you'll get a free pizza. <laughs> and a pizza scratch and stiff snicker sticker. <laughs> scratch and stiff sticker. All right, y'all. Uh, I am at Saldonation. Follow at Genexican Podcast uh, on Instagram or wherever your uh, greater uh, podcasts are sold. And, yes. and I uh, am Undercover Mexi. You can find me on the Instagrams and Twitter and on Genexican Podcast. Cool, guys. Well, we'll see everybody later. And I got to push the button. So take care and bye-bye. Genexican the Podcast is a co-production of Undercover Mexican Girls Studios and Salda Nation. Hosted by real-life Genexicans David Saldana and Alexandra Maria Landeros. Follow us at Genexican Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Music for this episode was composed by Culture Culture, a brand new synth pop band from Atlanta, Georgia.